1: Everyone and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. and I'm Kristen Lisenby. Happy almost Imbolc and Bridget's Day!
0: Yes, happy Imbolc to you and our listeners. I imagine that some of us in the Northern Hemisphere are still in our winter cocoons, so the idea of celebrating another Sabbath might feel a little soon for some, myself included. But I think that's sort of what I like about bulk. It's not necessarily a big elaborate event. Plus, we get to welcome the goddess Brigid back into our homes, which, Kate, I know you love her.
1: Yeah, I really do. (laughs) It's so funny, I was recently thinking about Last in bulk, which I spent at the Daisy Motel outside of Sedona. I was on a road trip last year, and I'm usually pretty solitary in my practice, but since we were both in a motel room, Cody was there, and so I was doing some writing to Bridget in my notebook and had my goddess oracle deck with me. So I very serendipitously drew Bridget in my reading, and because of this Cody, was pretty impressed and so then I got to read him her story and I think this really warmed him up to tarot and oracle because now he'll be like pull the cards
0: (laughs) (laughs) don't you love when the cards give such a clear reading especially if you're in the presence of muggles or the skeptical ones
1: yeah it's like they really know when they have to pull through (laughs) yes Cody's a carpenter, which isn't quite a blacksmith, but as the goddess of blacksmiths and poets, she feels very aligned with both of us. She really does
0: appeal to people from all ends of the magical spectrum.
1: Definitely. I'll talk a little bit more about her in a bit, but how are you celebrating?
0: Well, if the weather cooperates, I will probably take my goats for a walk in the woods behind my house, which is always a good time. But if it continues to sort of be rainy and stormy, I'll probably spend most of the day in the greenhouse, and in true in-bulk fashion, I'll be cleaning out anything that didn't make it through the winter and planting at least a few handfuls of seeds for spring. Our neighbors also tell us that it's time to plant onions, so we need to get on that too. What about you? I know that our climates are very different, but I'm always curious how other witches spend the Sabbaths.
1: I love that um I think I'll probably keep it simple maybe light a candle work with Bridget's ritual that's in my oracle deck and do some channeled poetry I'll definitely also have to give Banjo a little bit of extra love he is my New York City goat (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to hear more about what you prepared on the story of Imbolc well here we go
0: Imbolc is one of the eight sabbats, sometimes referred to as a lesser sabbat. It's kind of an in-between time, a fire festival that sits midway between Yule, the winter solstice, and Ostara, the spring equinox. While most people in the modern world treat Ostara as the start of spring, it would appear that some of our ancestors believed it was actually Imbolc that signaled the seasonal shift, even though technically it is still winter. And this was especially true if you were a farmer or cared for animals. The weather was still cold, but by now the ground was starting to thaw. The sheep that became pregnant around Mabon were meeting their lambs, which meant fresh milk, yogurt, and cheese would soon be back on the menu for the entire family. Stories say that spring lambing was the activity from which Imbolc derived its name, as it loosely translates to "use milk. Fresh milk may sound unremarkable to our ears, but fresh anything was a delicacy after months spent conserving and rationing.
1: I've also heard that it means in the belly. Have you ever come across that?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I did see that translation as well. I also read that in bulk may have come from another word meaning to wash, which, as I'll talk about in a minute, also makes a lot of sense. Imbolc was a time to celebrate with caution. The end of winter, without modern luxuries like heat, light, and reliable food storage, winter was a challenging time for our ancestors. For them, Imbolc served as sort of a light at the end of the tunnel. Whatever was left in the pantry from harvest season a few months back was likely dwindling. But if people could hang on just a little bit longer, the earth, wildlife. And even themselves would be reborn. I say themselves because it would be naive to think that after months spent indoors, that humans didn't go through some sort of soul rebirth as well. We've been hibernating, and we're now in our cocoon. And often, the cocoon is so comforting, especially after we've been marinating in stillness and reflection for so long. In many ways, we've detached from the world as we knew it, and created a new version of the life we'd like to live. But with all these new ideas that have been bouncing around in our head over the past season, that doesn't answer the question, how are we going to bring them into fruition? Setting intentions is great and a crucial step for manifesting and spell casting, but it's also up to us to physically plant these seeds, these new ideas, and these grand visions So that's what we do at Imbolc. And if you're not quite ready yet, don't worry. I know this feeling well. Personally, emerging from my cocoon is a struggle. That's not because I dislike spring or warm weather, but because a lot of the time, I am so comfortable in solitude. I love reading and studying, journaling, all those things that are considered winter or indoor activities. So I often feel anxious when I think about what's to come in the light half of the year. There's so much more activity and noise and constant movement. So as an introvert, it can feel overwhelming. Sometimes it feels like I've been jolted with surge after surge of electricity, and all I want to do is crawl back into my cocoon and recharge. And I know that we all have these moments, introvert or not. But I like to think that Imbolc can help. It's like a gentle nudge, a little warning from my dear friend Winter that things are about to change. It's a reminder to take a deep breath and prepare for what's to come, because as we know, the wheel of the year stops for no one. When I was doing research on some of the history and rituals surrounding Imbolc, it was clear that I needed to include some mention of plant magic, fire, mainly in the form of purification or creation, and fertility. The plant magic aspect is pretty straightforward. Unless you have a greenhouse, in February the earth is not producing much, so Imbolc is traditionally when you would start making plants for a spring garden. If possible, you would prepare the soil, take inventory of your seed collection, and start clearing out the broken, the excess, and whatever else you didn't want to take into the next season. I think at the end of any cycle, there's that sentiment of out with the old, in with the new, and in bulk is no different. We've all heard of spring cleaning, and this makes sense when you consider that we've been trapped indoors for a while and have likely become very familiar with every item and piece of clutter within our space. So that's one area where we might see the fire aspect if we're thinking about purification. I am definitely not suggesting you burn the things you do not want, but instead maybe create some type of ritual around rehoming things that you've outgrown while in your cocoon. It's so simple, yet such a powerful way to generate gratitude any time of the year. Although Imbolc is considered a fire festival, it feels more like a light a candle type situation than a let's have a giant bonfire. So maybe lighting a candle while you organize your seed packets or gather a box of donations is a nice way to honor the spirit of Imbolc. I love that. And then, of course, there's that vibrant, passionate energy that swirls around in the days following Imbolc and has inspired fertility rituals throughout the world. As you can imagine, after months spent indoors, by the time the earth starts to warm, Some people have just one thing on their mind. We see this in an ancient Roman and potentially pre-Roman celebration called Lupercalia. Believed to be a three-day celebration that concluded on February 15th, Lupercalia is often referred to as Pagan Valentine's Day. Although, the more you learn about Lupercalia, the more you see that other than sharing a theme of sex and sometimes love, Valentine's Day has little in common with this day, also nicknamed the Festival of Wolves. I wrote a piece about Lupercalia that will be in Tamed Wild's February box, and the whole time I was writing it, even though I was already familiar with Lupercalia, I just kept thinking that this celebration is so random that it just makes you want to know more. A very short summary of Lupercalia will probably leave our listeners with more questions than when I began, but It includes a wolf goddess, her cubs, which are not cubs at all, but two young boys who will go on to be the founders of Rome, animal sacrifice, a parade of men streaking through the streets, whips made from animal hide that were believed to purify the city while blessing the receivers with easy childbirth, and then a matchmaking and coupling ceremony where, if you were lucky, you might meet someone you actually like or even love, to consummate the conclusion of Lupercalia and the start of spring.
1: There's also the story about Kaliak with Brigid and spring. Yes, I'm not super familiar with that one. I'd love to hear it. So, Kaliak is known to be in partnership with the goddess Brigid, and some believe that they are in fact two faces of the same goddess. Um, I wrote about Cailleach for Magic and Alchemy, I think, last week, so for people wanting to learn more about her, there's a piece um, there, but she's kind of like the goddess of winter, like the winter crone, but some of these tales suggest that Cailleach rules the days between Samhain and Beltane, while Brigid commands Beltane to Samhain, so depending on where the tale originates, this transfer of power between the goddesses have different dates, But legend says that if Kaliak wishes for the winter to continue, she will make sure it is sunny on February 1st so that she can gather firewood that will keep her warm. If it rains on February 1st, Kaliak will not be able to gather firewood, will continue to sleep, and therefore winter will subside sooner rather than later. Which makes me laugh because it's truly the pagan version of Puxitani Phil, right?
0: Oh, Absolutely. When I was researching in bulk and the month of February in general, I came across some Groundhog Day lore and was reminded that people have been predicting the arrival of spring for pretty much as long as we can tell. I read that ancient Romans used a hedgehog for weather divination. Wow. I don't know if that's completely true, so don't quote me. And then, of course, in Scotland, they relied on serpents. I like the Kaliac Bridget version, though, and the idea of a mutually beneficial transfer of power.
1: They talk about that, too, with the Oak King and the Holly King um, with yeah. Yule and Summer Solstice. So it's interesting, too. They have like a battle that becomes the transfer of power, but they always know who will win depending on the season. Yeah, that's true. mm mm-hmm. Now to talk about the goddess Brigid herself. Um, I recently worked on a piece about Brigid for the Magic and Alchemy blog, so if you want to dive more into written work around her, check that out there. Brigid is a goddess of Irish mythology. She shares many similarities with the Catholic saint Brigid of Kildare, who is the patron saint of Ireland. In Old Irish, her name translates to Exalted One. The name Brigid has been anglicized from the old Irish Brid in multiple ways, so you can see a lot of differences in spelling around her name. Bridget is also a goddess of contradiction. She is a goddess of fertility, motherhood, and healing, but she is also a fiery goddess. She rules fire and the flame and also serenity and water. You'll often see wishing wells associated with her, and leaving offerings at waterways is a popular way to celebrate in bulk. If you're looking for a way to celebrate, this way feels like a very beautiful way to invoke the goddess, especially if you live nearby water. In Bridget's earliest incarnation, she was called the Flame of Ireland, or Fiery Arrow, Brigid is regarded as a goddess of the forge and of metalworkers, like I mentioned earlier. Legend says that when Brigid was born at sunrise, there was a tower of flame that reached her to the heavens. She appeared as a fiery-haired goddess wearing a cloak of sunbeams. She is also sometimes depicted as a triple goddess. Brigid is known as the patroness for domesticated animals, which I think is very sweet she had a menagerie of domesticated animals that she cared for and of these beasts two were oxen named feh and men she was also a caretaker of the king of boars tork traith and the king of sheep magserb one of the ways i plan on honoring her is to give a really beautiful bone to banjo my dog to say thank you to bridget for keeping us both safe bridget is also considered the patron goddess of poets another reason I love her so much. Writing Bridget a poem on bulk would be a great ritual for the day and something that I plan to do. If anyone needs a writing prompt, feel free to reach out and I'll make sure you have one. Something I think that's really beautiful is that Bridget is considered to be the creator of Keening, which is a sorrowful song, weeping, crying, and lamenting for the dead. Her son was killed for being a spy, and he was pierced by a spear in front of her. With this, she let out the first keening ever heard in Ireland. After Brigid, all fairy women would keen for the dead in a like manner, especially those with ties to mortal families. If you haven't yet explored this art, I recommend that you do.
0: That's beautiful. Does all this talk of spring and fire make you ready for the seasonal shift? Or are you hoping that Kaliak has an abundance of
1: firewood so you can stay in your cocoon a little longer? Hmm, that's a good question. I think this year I'm ready for spring. I love going upstate New York in the in-between of seasons. A couple of years ago, I'll never forget, I went on a warm day to visit Catterskill Falls, and the air was warm, but the water was still frozen, and I could walk right up to the base of the waterfall, which felt truly magic. What about you?
0: Well, I want to lie and say that I'm dying for (laughs) spring because that just sounded so magical, but uh, if I were being honest, I'll definitely
1: be lingering in my cocoon for as long as I can. Thank you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at k8ballou and at EastEndAlchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at you can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com.
0: Join us for next week's episode where we answer some of our listener questions, including one about pendulum divination and how to take your first step into the world of magic. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be for something better. Until next time.